As riots spread throughout America's major cities, Democrats try to pin the blame on Trump. Sports figures come under fire for standing up for the American flag. And Netflix releases a bizarre video pushing doctors to abandon medicine for feelings. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Why haven't you gotten a VPN yet? Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben and make the magic happen. Okay, so... Every weekend, I basically say, don't burn the place down. And then you went and you burned the place down. And when I say you burned the place down, I don't mean people who listen to the show. I mean all the other jerks. I'm talking about folks in Seattle burning the place down and Portland burning the place down and Oakland burning the place down and Austin burning the place down and Louisville burning the place. Just all sorts of fun happening all over the country. Why? Well, because there's a general mood and the general mood is the American system sucks and liberals are going to let the leftists get away with this. Here's the deal. Conservatives are not capable on their own of stopping the chaos that is now engulfing the country. These are liberal cities. They are run by Democrats. And until Democrats decide that they are done with this, this is not going to end. If they decide that they are going to simply allow the woke left to eat their cities alive, there's not much the right can do about that. President Trump can send in some federal forces to defend federal property, but the federal government is not given the job, generally speaking, of reestablishing generalized law and order in America's major cities. The tenor of American federalism suggests that local localities and states are responsible for ensuring that people abide by the law in localities and states. It's not the job of the federal government to make sure that basic criminal law is followed. That is the job of the states. If states and localities refuse to do it, the predictable result will, that everybody, will be that everybody who has any shred of money will get out. That everybody who is living in these cities is not going to stick around and provide the tax base to, quote unquote, fix the problems of inequality. They are just going to leave. And then presumably they will be blamed by the New York Times for not sticking around. You saw this a little bit with Joe Rogan over the weekend. So my favorite tweet of the weekend. So Joe Rogan is moving from Los Angeles to Texas, which I already knew since Joe and I are very friendly. And the and the media were angry at him because he said the reasons that he were moving included bad local governance and the upkeep of the area where he lives, which, by the way, is true. Like, L.A. has turned into a trash heap. And people are like, no, the real reason he's moving is because he just signed a $100 million deal with Spotify and because the state tax rates in California are 13.3%. It's like, okay, so he's bad for escaping the tax rates? I've been told by the left that they can raise the tax rates no, as high as they want, and no one will ever react to those tax rates. So are you going to blame him for reacting to the tax rates? Or are you going to hold with the idea that the tax rates have no impact on people leaving? In other words, Democrats keep making giant cities unlivable and then people leave. And they're like, why are you leaving? Where are you going? Why, why don't you stick around? I mean, we just want to steal more of your money and use it for random crap like porta potties under the overpasses, which is what we got here in California. Brand new construction happening here in Los Angeles. Every underpass for a freeway shall have a porta potty. It is, it is grand and glorious construction. When we talk about green new jobs, it's really brown new jobs here in the city of Los Angeles. But bottom line is this, whether it's cancel culture, whether it is the destruction of America's major cities. So long as mainstream liberals go along with the woke left, so long as that is the coalition, so long as mainstream liberals see a greater danger to the country in mainstream conservatives than they do in the woke left, then the alliance of the woke left and the liberals actually is a majority in the country. Right? There's a significant minority in the country that is conservative, but the sort of mainstream liberal, kind of good-hearted folks who don't pay too much attention to politics, so long as they keep caving to the woke left, the woke left will have the, the whip hand in American politics. And that's what we are watching right now. According to the New York Times, from Los Angeles to New York, protesters marched in a show of solidarity with demonstrations in Portland, Oregon. In Seattle, they smashed windows and set fires. A shooting at a protest in Austin, Texas, left one man dead. So things are going really great. One thing you may have noticed, I just read you about a series of cities. 
One thing they have in common, let's see, LA, New York, Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Austin. What do all these places have in common? Hmm, hmm. It's not demographics. Portland's a very white city. Los Angeles is a very Hispanic city. New York is a fairly racially diverse city. Austin is largely white. It has nothing to do with color. What do these places have in common? They are all places where the left runs the place. All of them. They're not trying this crap in the middle of Slayton, Texas. They ain't trying this crap in the middle of Idaho. Red areas are not seeing this. And the reason red areas are not seeing this is because the woke left understands that the people that they can capture, the institutions they can capture, are all run by mainstream liberals. According to the New York Times, weeks of violent clashes between federal agents and protesters in Portland, Oregon, galvanized thousands of people to march through the streets of American cities on Saturday, injecting new life into protests that had largely waned in recent weeks. One of the most intense protests was in Seattle, where a day of demonstrations focused on police violence left a trail of broken windows and people flushing pepper spray from their eyes. At least 45 protesters had been arrested as of early evening. Both protesters and police officers suffered injuries. Yes, the difference is that the protesters are generally rioting and looting and the police officer generally attempting to enforce the law. Love that moral equivalence there between quote-unquote protesters. Notice how the media are deliberately anti-specific here. They're not saying what these quote-unquote protesters were doing. Generally, the protesters are not being arrested for protesting. In fact, not generally. It's not a crime to protest in the United States. They're being arrested for violating the law. And carrying signs such as feds go home and shouting chants of no justice, no peace, Some among the crowd, about 5,000 protesters stopped at a youth detention center and lit several construction trailers there on fire in Seattle. Some smashed windows of nearby businesses, ignited a fire in a coffee shop, blew an eight-inch hole through the wall of the Seattle Police Department's East Precinct building, according to the police. At this point, we declared the event to be a riot and several orders to disperse were given, said Seattle Police Chief Carmen Best. The police responded by firing flash grenades, showering protesters with pepper spray, abruptly rushing into crowds, knocking people to the ground. After a flash grenade left one woman with bloody injuries, police officers shoved people who had stopped to help her because they were going to arrest her, presumably. Also because the people who had stopped to help her might not have been helping her. In Austin, Texas, the police said one man was shot and killed just before 10 p.m. during a protest in the city's downtown. In a live video from the scene, protesters are seen marching through the intersection when a car blares its horn. Several seconds later, five shots ring out, followed shortly by several more loud bangs. The man who was killed may have approached a vehicle with a rifle before he was shot and killed, Officer Katrina Ratcliffe said. Ms. Ratcliffe said the person who shot and killed the man had fired from inside the vehicle. That person was detained and is cooperating with officers. She said no one else was injured. Mayor Steve Adler of Austin said, all I know is someone dying while protesting is horrible. He wasn't protesting. When you approach somebody on a public highway carrying a rifle and pointing it at them, which is apparently what happened here, that's called self-defense now. Again, if you don't believe me, that is it. Very, very similar to the case of Ahmed Arbery, where I've said that the people are being justly tried on murder charges. You do not have the right to hold someone up at gunpoint on a public thoroughfare. And for idiots, we're trying to compare that to the couple in Missouri who are standing on their own property, holding guns to defend their own property. Not the same thing. One is on their property. One is if they went in the middle of the street and pointed a gun at somebody in a car. Not the same thing, you idiots. Our city is shaken. Like so many in our community, I'm heartbroken and stunned, said Mayor Steve Adler of Austin. We'll get to what's happening in L.A. in just one second. And then we will get to why liberals are allowing this to happen. Why? These are cities they run. Why are they allowing this to happen? Because there is a method to the madness. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about that wireless bill. How are you doing on that wireless bill? You doing great? I didn't think so. You're spending too much on your wireless. Why are you spending so much on your wireless? Well, probably you think to yourself, they said unlimited data. And then you look and you haven't been using anything close to unlimited data. You've been using like not, not all that much data. You're just using it a lot for talk and text. This is why you need Pure Talk USA. 
Who's your wireless provider? AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile. What if I told you Pure Talk USA uses the exact same network as one of those carriers? Same towers, same exact coverage, but literally costs you half. How do they make it so affordable? Well, no retail stores, no low, so low overhead. You're not funding billion-dollar ad campaigns. You're only paying for the data you need. No contract, no excessive fees. You'll enjoy unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data, all for just 20 bucks a month. The average person is saving 400 bucks a year on their wireless bill by using Pure Talk USA. So grab that mobile phone, dial pound 250 and say Ben Shapiro. When you do, you get 250 bucks off any iPhone, including the brand new iPhone SE. Again, that is pound 250. Say keyword Ben Shapiro. You get 250 bucks off any iPhone, including that brand new iPhone SE, pound 250 and say keyword Ben Shapiro. Pound 250, say my name and get that magical, magical discount and save money on your wireless at the same time. So it seems like a great deal. Okay, according to the New York Times in LA, protesters clashed with officers in front of the federal courthouse downtown. Videos showed people smashing windows, lobbing water bottles at officers after protesters said police fired projectiles at them. Okay, I have a feeling that this went the other way around. I don't think the police are willy-nilly firing projectiles at people because they will lose their jobs and or be sued and or go to jail for that. My guess is that protesters are lobbing things at the cops. The federal courthouse in Portland has been the scene of nightly chaotic demonstrations for weeks, which continued again into Sunday morning as thousands participated in marches around the city, the 59th consecutive day of protest there. Earlier, a group of nurses in scrubs and joined an organized group of mothers in helmets and fathers in hard hats, all assembled against the fence of a federal courthouse where federal agents have been assembled. Oh, so they decided to get together the village people. That's exciting stuff. They got the guys in the hard hats. They got the mothers. They need a Native American guy. They got the nurses in scrubs. By the way, quick rule about nurses in scrubs. Okay, so as some of you may know, I have a wife who is a doctor. You don't wear scrubs outside the hospital. Not a thing you do. The reason is because if you are wearing scrubs as a costume, generally that's stupid. And if you are wearing scrubs directly from the hospital, you're supposed to take them off because they're covered in germs. Anyway, shortly after 1 a.m., the Portland police said the protest had become a riot and ordered the crowd to leave. Federal agents fired tear gas and left the courthouse to drive protesters from the streets, continuing to stretch the bounds of their authority. That's not stretching the bounds of their authority. They have very, very clear authority under 40 U.S. Code. It's 1519. Okay, the... the that authority is extraordinarily clear. It says they can defend federal property and arrest people in the course of committing crimes, not just on the federal property, but around that area, anywhere in that area. Portland is leading, said Chantel Hirschberger, an organizer with Refuse Fascism, because nothing says refusing fascism quite like storming law enforcement agencies and trying to establish martial law at the center of major, major cities. Chantel Hirschberger, mm, part of the Los Angeles activists protesting the presence of federal agents in Portland. Makes perfect sense, by the way is that there are federal agents in Portland. So you go over to the federal courthouse in LA and go to downtown and, and you just shatter some windows there. It makes perfect sense. They're showing what it looks like to stay in the streets despite police oppression, despite federal forces being sent in. This kind of energy is actually what's needed. Is it? Is that, is that really? Really, is that what's needed? Bipasha Mukherjee, 52 of Kirkland, Washington, said she's been protesting on the streets since May. This is what happens when nobody has a job. Said it was worrisome to her to see such aggressive tactics by the police. This is not the country I immigrated to, said Ms. Mukherjee, who arrived from India more than 30 years ago. It feels like we are rapidly becoming a fascist state and a police state. Really, do fascist police states just let people willy-nilly burn down courthouses for 59 straight days in Portland? Is that a thing fascist police states do? Because, like, my knowledge of fascism suggests that the cops immediately come in in fascist states and arrest everyone, including the law-abiding protesters which is literally the one thing that is not happening. This is all insane. It's a very hard slide in an extremely violent direction, said Michaud Savage of Seattle. 
He said the protests were aimed at both local authorities and the deployment of federal officers who waged a crackdown against the long-running protest in Portland. So weird, because um, I remember when they set up Chaz Chop in the middle of Seattle before the feds came in. So I feel like the timeline is uh, not accurate that we are being told right now. Carmen Best, the Seattle police chief, a woman of color, who, by the way, the media will never note that, said a number of demonstrators used violence. Some were tossing concrete blocks from a rooftop to the street below. The coffee shop set a fire, had occupied apartments above it that had to be evacuated. She said, we support everyone's First Amendment right for free speech and to gather and assemble in such a way. What we saw today was not peaceful. It was not a peaceful demonstration at all. Criminal acts were occurring throughout the city. Many people were at risk. By the way, I'm really enjoying the sight of these giant crowds protesting and demonstrating and rioting and looting. That's really exciting stuff. In the middle of a damned pandemic and the media going, well, you know, they're standing. I'm now like 10 paragraphs into this New York Times story. They've not mentioned the pandemic once. Anti-lockdown protests, violating pandemic policies. First sentence, churches, Violating pandemic policies, first sentence. Giant, enormous protests of people throwing concrete blocks from roofs to the street below. No mention of the fact there's a pandemic, none. The largest story on planet Earth in the last probably, maybe since World War II. And people are out in the streets violating protocol and not a word from the media, not one word. They're protesting for the right things, guys. Immunity is conferred by looting and rioting as long as you're doing so for the right purposes. And the right purposes apparently are not restricted to George Floyd. If you're burning a federal courthouse for George Floyd or you're burning down a Starbucks for George Floyd, let me suggest George Floyd was not in favor of burning down Starbucks. And if he was, that's a bad thing. (laughs) This is wild nonsense. Other demonstrations took place on Saturday in New York, Omaha, and Oakland, among other cities. In Omaha, KMTV-TV reported demonstrators turned out in solidarity with the Portland protests and also in response to the death of James Skirlock, a black man killed by a white bar owner in May. In that case, he was being attacked, by the way. That's what actually happened. We discussed the case at the time. In Richmond, Virginia, riot police fired chemical agents at protesters who marched through the city and gathered around the Richmond Police Department. The police said some protesters had set fire to a city-owned dump truck outside the station. In Aurora, Colorado, a hectic scene played out as people marched along an interstate highway. During that protest, someone drove a car into demonstrators, according to Aurora police, although it was unclear if the car struck any protesters. Okay, by the way, quick note. If you gather on a freeway and someone is driving and you surround their car, they have no obligation to stop their car and let you savage them. That is not a thing. You are violating the law when you when you crowds or when you mob a car. I'm bewildered by this attitude that as a driver, my job is to make sure that you can surround me, rock my car back and forth and maybe attack me in my car. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know if there are kids in the car like this is insane. This is totally crazy. The police said a protester had also decided to fire off a weapon, which struck at least one other person. That person was taken to a hospital, was in stable condition. Seattle and Portland have seen extended demonstrations. The the situation in Portland continues to be violent. People are firing mortars, apparently. So it's good times in Portland. Now, the video from these places makes absolutely clear what exactly is going on. And we're going to get to more of this in just one second. First, let's talk about an issue that can easily be resolved, but it's kind of embarrassing to talk about. I'm talking about erectile dysfunction, of course, with Roman. It's easy to talk about it with a medical professional who can prescribe real medication. It is simple, safe, totally discreet with Roman. You get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, discreet. Getting started is really easy. Just go to getroman.com slash Ben, complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle. Now there is Roman. Complete that online visit today. Connect with a healthcare professional. Get it taken care of. Go to GetRoman.com slash Ben today. If approved, you get 15 bucks off your first order of ED treatment. That's it. Get 
Roman.com slash Ben. Get Roman.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Again, if you're dealing with a medical problem, something people do, they, they tend to wish it away, except this stuff ain't going to get wished away. You just need to get it solved. If it's ED, is really affecting your life. Go get it solved right now by going to GetRoman.com slash Ben. If approved, you get 15 bucks off your first order of ED treatment. GetRoman.com slash Ben. That is GetRoman.com slash Ben. Okay, so the video from these places makes perfectly clear exactly what is going on. In Seattle, they burned a Starbucks. One of the great ironic tweets of the day was by a person who was living above that Starbucks and had tweeted that the police are, are being fascist and brutal and then was like, why are they burning the Starbucks? This is terrible. Man, they really must hate that Starbucks. As I've cited before, the, the shooting of the oil cans in The Jerk with Steve Martin. They really hate these oil cans. Or alternatively, Starbucks has nothing to do with anything and is a major employer in the area and they just ransacked the place and looted it. And of course, they've got the ACAB Graffiti up there, ACAB, is all cops are bleep. So that's that's good time. That's good times. Because the cops run Starbucks, did you know? Starbucks, by the way, a company so woke that they refuse to expel people who literally sit there and use their facilities and won't buy anything. And give sensitivity training if one of their own woke brand managers says the person has to leave. That's how woke Starbucks is. They're getting ripped up. So there was the Starbucks being destroyed. Meanwhile, the Seattle PD put out a notice. This is from Carmen Best, according to Reagan Battalion, put out July 24th, quote, Dear business owner and or resident, please know the Seattle Police Department is committed to addressing life safety incidents and calls for service and responding to ongoing demonstrations and unrest in the city. Please also know that the City Council Ordinance 119505 crowd control tool goes into effect this weekend, Sunday, July 26th. This ordinance bans Seattle police officers the use of less lethal tools, including pepper spray that is commonly used to disperse crowds that have turned violent. Simply put, the legislation gives officers no ability to safely intercede to preserve property in the midst of a large violent crowd. It is important to bring to your attention that yesterday I sent the city council a letter ensuring them that as chief of police, I have done my due diligence of informing them numerous times of the foreseeable impact of this ordinance on upcoming events. The letter is attached for your reference. For these reasons, Seattle police will have an adjusted deployment in response to any demonstrations this weekend as I will never ask our officers to risk their personal safety to protect property without the tools to do so in a safe way. That's insane. So the Seattle PD is already announcing that if you mob a place, they're not showing up because they don't have pepper spray because the city council banned the pepper spray. They're announcing preemptive surrender. Preemptive surrender. Seattle PD is saying, you're on your own, guys. Sorry, not much we can do. Also, the PD has announced in Seattle that they've been arresting people who are firing mortars, mortars, Police have made at least three arrests at the Seattle PD over the weekend and continue to work to disperse large crowd on Capitol Hill. Earlier incident was determined to be a life safety issue violation, declared a riot. Individuals continue to throw explosives and fire mortars at police. At least two officers have been injured. So that's what's happening in Seattle, where, by the way, this thing didn't start, right? Seattle, it, here it, we now have this running cycle, right? This started with Chop Chaz in Seattle. Then Portland was like, you know, it's great, Chop Chaz, let's do that here. Then the feds came in, and then Seattle was like, that's bad. The feds went to Portland. Let's do it again. Solid, solid stuff happening all across the country. Meanwhile, in Portland, Chad Wolf, the head of the DHS, the acting secretary of DHS, who was on the show last week, he announced that several federal officers may have been blinded. They may have lost their vision as a result of these bastards in the streets firing lasers into the eyes of federal law enforcement. Here's Chad Wolf explaining. Two to three different officers. Uh, we are waiting on final results to see how much of their eyesight uh, will uh, permanently be lost uh, because of the activity of these criminals. As you indicated, they are shining lasers 
uh, high-powerful lasers uh, into officers' eyes as they emerge from the courthouse. So we're taking steps. We've taken steps to address that, uh, and we'll continue to protect our officers at all costs. And again, all I need is the city of Portland to step up and do their job. This is insane. Insane. Federal police officers, are, federal law enforcement are being blinded on the job. And the media are like, Trump. Trump's so bad. Trump's so bad. By the way, Portland's basically shut down. So thanks to the pandemic, business was already pretty slow. Now, because they're basically taking over city blocks Antifa and tossing trash everywhere, they're tossing trash at police officers trying to draw a response, elicit a response. Now, businesses are not even operating in Portland. According to the Oregonian, office buildings remain empty because of the pandemic. Tourists have yet to return, taking away a large customer base for many downtown businesses. More tents have appeared along the sidewalks near downtown as the city has limited cleanups of homeless camps due to, the, due to the pandemic. Those factors have limited foot traffic in downtown. TriMet says trips downtown are down more than 75% this summer compared to last year. Parking meter transactions are down a similar amount. Hotel occupancy in the central state is the worst in the state, down 73%. Eric Murfitt, controller of Mercantile, a family-owned downtown clothing store that's been in business for 45 years, reopened his shop in May when Oregon Governor Kate Brown eased coronavirus restrictions for many businesses. Mercantile's reopening was short-lived. Thousands of demonstrators took to the streets on the night of May 30th to protest police brutality. But the night of upheaval ended with break-ins and looting in downtown. Murfitt watched on his live security footage feed as looters trashed his stores and police officers failed to intervene. He said officers later came to take his statement and collect security footage, but haven't been in touch since. Other businesses that were hit that night told similar stories. Murfitt, like other downtown business owners, said he's a strong supporter of BLM, but he is not sympathetic to those that have used the movement as a cover for looting and violence. He said he said he hopes his store can reopen in August, but he needs assurances his business can be protected. The most important pressing thing on my mind is that city leadership is going to do to restore peace and order. By the way, I, I do love the irony of people saying I'm a big BLM supporter. Also, they're calling for defund the police. Also, I want the police to protect me. It's one thing to say that you are against police brutality like all sentient humans. It is another thing to say that you are a big supporter of Black Lives Matter, whose chief agenda item is defunding the police and having them not protect law-abiding citizens. We're going to get to more places that have turned into centers of chaos across the country in just one second, including in, in Portland. There's a story from AP that demonstrates just how wild things are getting and Democrats in denial, like open denial and or threatening that this stuff is going to end unless Donald Trump leaves office, which is saying the quiet part out loud, which is basically threatening law abiding American citizens. We are going to burn the major cities until we get what we want, which is effectively a form of terrorism. OK, it, terrorism is the use of violence to enact a political end. Right? The use of illegal violence in order to enact a political end is basically the textbook definition of terrorism. If you are burning down cities and saying we're going to do this until you elect our candidate. Hard not to see that as a form of terrorism. Okay, we're going to get to more of this in just one second. First, when running a business, HR issues can kill you. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations. HR manager salaries aren't cheap. They're an average of 70000 bucks a year. Bambi can solve all this for you. Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, was created specifically for small business. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, and maintain your compliance all for just 99 bucks a month. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager, available by phone, email, or real-time chat from onboarding to terminations. They customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees day-to-day, -day, all for just 99 bucks a month. It's month-to-month. -month. There are no hidden fees. You can cancel anytime. Because when you start a business, it's because you want to provide goods and services to consumers because you want to do something creative and awesome. You want to hire people. You know, it's one thing you don't want to do. Spend all your time dealing with HR issues. They're such 
a nightmare. Go to Bambi.com slash Shapiro right now. Schedule your free HR audit. That's B-A-M to the B-E-E dot com slash Shapiro. Bam to the B-E-E dot com slash Shapiro. And schedule your free HR audit right now and make sure that you are covered on the HR front. It will make your life better. It will make your business better. You can't afford any HR problems right now. Bambi.com slash Shapiro for that free HR audit. Hey, so over in Portland, according to the Associated Press, as night fell, music stopped and the march to the federal courthouse began. Two blocks west, one block south, the several dozen federal law enforcement agents guarding the Mark Hatfield federal courthouse could see the protesters coming. Under orders to protect the courthouse, federal property that has been increasingly targeted as the city's protests against racial injustice march on. The agents were accustomed to the drill. Tonight, the crowd was huge, estimated at 4,000 people, the largest they had seen. The top commander with the U.S. Marshal Service peered out a window facing the Willamette River and watched the Sea of Humanity sweep toward him. It was going to be another long night. The courthouse looked like a feudal castle under siege. The outside was boarded up with thick plywood, narrow slits at the top of the plywood, accessed by a mechanized scaffolding, gave the agents inside a view of the crowd and an opening through which to fire pepper balls. The terrace outside the front door was littered with garbage, the steps leading to the courthouse splattered with paint. A mixture of anti-police and BLM graffiti covered the building's outer walls and columns to a height of about 10 feet. Tear gas still hung in the air, coated the floor with a slime that had been hurriedly mopped up by the custodians earlier that day. In the no man's land outside stood the fence, a thick black iron installation erected six days before, a dividing line between protesters and protector, a stark separation between two radically different worldviews. To the protesters, the man inside, the men inside the Battentown courthouse are at best thoughtless political minions, at worst murderous henchmen for protecting a courthouse. For protecting a courthouse. Why? Because again, there's a deeper ideology at work. It's something I discuss in my new book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. I say in the book, there will be tolerance of violence. It will happen from the left. Okay, because people have decided the system is rotten to the core. And that means that all the elements of the system, including courthouses, have to go. To the agents inside, the demonstrations that pack the downtown each night are violent anarchists. Well, yes, yes. According to one deputy U.S. marshal, he said, I can't walk outside without being in fear of my life. I'm worried for my life every time I walk outside the building. Journalists from the AP were both outside with the protesters and inside. And what they report from the inside is pretty damned frightening. At 10, 15 p.m. in Portland, the protesters made their first foray into conflict. A man tried to climb the fence, was quickly arrested. 30 minutes later, the fence rocked and leaned sharply as dozens of protesters pressed their weight against it, some of them throwing their bodies against it at a running start. The fence undulated like a wave and tilted dangerously before springing back. Behind the front lines, drummers that had whipped demonstrations up at the fountain regrouped and led the crowd in dancing and chanting. Four uh, small pods of three to four protesters dressed in black circulated in the crowd, stopping every few minutes to point green laser beams in the eyes of agents posted as lookouts on porticos in the courthouse's upper stories. The agents above were silhouetted against the dark sky as dozens of green laser dots and a large spotlight played on the courthouse walls projected from the back of the crowd. By the way, those laser beams are designed to blind agents. Inside the courthouse, it was dark, pitch black, except for one narrow ceiling bulb that cast a cone of light over the stairs. Without lights, the agents hoped they would be better protected from people in the crowd who were firing metal ball bearings through the windows with slingshots. Thick ribbons of green light from blinding lasers crisscrossed the courthouse lobby. This is Mad Max kind of stuff, forcing the agents who were resting in between deployments to the fence to duck and weave to protect their eyes. Agents on scaffolding fired pepper balls through the window slits at the crowd, while others sat quietly on marble benches in the lobby alone or in small groups and waited for their turn at the fence. Every few minutes, the huge boom from commercial-grade fireworks tossed over the fence caused the walls to rattle. The crowd outside cheered as explosions of red, white, and green flashed against a thick curtain of yellowish tear gas. And by the way, they've been throwing cans and rocks at the officers. Good stuff. Good stuff. Now, 
What exactly are people doing about this? The Democrats are doing nothing. Literally nothing. The police officers do not exist in this region. I talked to Ami Horowitz, who was in Portland a couple of days ago. My friend Ami, the, the, the documentarian, he said the cops were nowhere to be found. Mayor Ted Wheeler has pulled the cops. And meanwhile, over in Oakland, hundreds of protesters have taken the streets of downtown Oakland Saturday night. Some vandalized the police station, broke windows, spray painted, shot fireworks, pointed lasers at officers and helicopters, according to officials. Police said demonstrators in the area of 17th and Lakeside are breaking windows and chanting racial slurs at residents. That's not something that'll be widely reported, I would imagine. They're chanting racial slurs, you know, to stand up for tolerance and diversity and how America's racist. Meanwhile, in Austin, a man was shot dead. He was shot dead because apparently, according to local, pol- uh, according to local police, he approached a car on the, on the freeway, basically, which was surrounded and pointed the gun at the person in the car who happened to be armed. According to the New York Times, Garrett Foster was carrying an AK-47 rifle as he joined a BLM demonstration blocks from the state capitol in Austin. Foster, wearing a black bandana and a baseball cap, bumped into an independent journalist at the march on Saturday. He spoke matter-of-factly about the weapon. He said, they don't let us march in the streets anymore, so I got to practice some of our rights. He said, if I use it against cops, I'm dead. Later that night, he was fatally shot, but not by the cops. The authorities said he was killed by a motorist who had a confrontation with, the, with protesters. The police and witnesses said the man in the car turned it aggressively toward the marchers and Foster then approached it. The driver opened fire, shooting Foster three times. He was rushed to a hospital and was later pronounced dead. Okay, that is one description of the incident. Another local description of the incident says the opposite. Austin's police chief told reporters as the motorist turned, a crowd of protesters surrounded the vehicle. Some struck the car. The driver then opened fire from inside the car as Foster approached because he was carrying a gun approaching the car. Minutes after the shooting, the driver called 911, said he had been involved in a shooting and had driven away from the scene. The caller said he'd shot someone who had approached the driver's window and pointed a rifle at him. His account is that Foster pointed the weapon directly at him and he fired his handgun at Foster. Both the driver and the person who fired a we- and the other person who fired a weapon were detained and interviewed by detectives. So the way the media are going to cover this is that it's the murder of a protester when in fact it turns out there's a disputed circumstance and it turns out that according to witnesses and the person in the car, the car was surrounded by people, which by the way, if you are surrounded, as I've said before, if you are surrounded by a bunch of people and you keep driving, that is not your fault. What are you supposed to do? Just sit there as people try to break you? I mean, like, I, I don't understand. I don't understand the logic here. In a, in a story that is not going to be mentioned by the media, by the way, there was a, a, a Blue Lives Matter protester who was run down deliberately, apparently, by a man in a maroon SUV. This is in Eaton, Colorado. Local police said on Facebook they responded about 3.38 p.m. to a report of a man in a maroon SUV attempting to drive through or over a crowd of pedestrians. Those pedestrians were holding a Blue Lives Matter demonstration. Amazing. One of these things will be covered by the mass media. One of these things will not. Right. One is a disputed situation in which a protester who is armed and is now and, and is approaching on public property a, a person. He's not licensed to protest, presumably stopping cars in the middle of the road. Right. And allegedly pointing a gun at the car before being shot. That will be covered widely in the media. A man running down Blue Lives Matter protesters that will not receive national media coverage in any real way. Again, the, the cause matters here. Right, the cause matters here. If, if, if the narrative does not support what is being driven by the media, namely that the protesters are peaceful and wonderful and everybody else is super bad, then they just will ignore the story for the most part. The good news is that we do have some peaceful protests, by the way. There was yoga against racism in D.C. So that was exciting. I, th- I thought it was really great. I mean, like, there it is. You see how, how we're, we're solving racism? One tree pose at a time, one downward dog at a time. Solving racism 
by white woke ladies in Lululemon pants. Very exciting stuff. By the way, we are, we are very serious in this country. This is very serious stuff. You know we're serious when we're having giant dance parties in the middle of a pandemic and yoga classes to protest in favor of Black Lives Matter. Very solid stuff. So what is the Democratic agenda here? Why exactly is this not being shut down? This is all happening universally in Democratic cities. Why? We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that hiring can be difficult. But if you're a company that's currently trying to hire, you face new difficulties from safely reopening your doors to finding the right person for a specialized role. Housing Wire could relate. They needed to hire an ambitious reporter to cover news on the U.S. mortgage and housing markets, so they turned to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's smart matching technology finds people with the right experience for your job. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter got a quality candidate within the very first day. That's how Housing Wire found Alexandra Roja. Alexandra didn't think she could get a reporter job in the middle of a pandemic, but in fact, she could. She created a profile on ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter matched her to the Housing Wire job, and she got her dream career started. ZipRecruiter helped Alexandra find the right job. They helped Housing Wire. Find the right person for that role. We use ZipRecruiter here at Daily Wire. So let's say that we had a producer who made the very poor decision, Katie, to decide to go into another profession, like, you know, helping children or something. I mean, come on, come on. Well, we would need to replace somebody, presumably. And if we needed to replace somebody, we would probably look to ZipRecruiter. See how ZipRecruiter can help you hire? Try it now for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire and improve your business and find wonderful people like Katie, to replace wonderful people like Katie. Try it now for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Go check them out right now. Okay, gang, if you haven't heard by now, my new book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps, is officially on sale. We've been seeing incredible enthusiasm from you folks. We are excited about the release. We did a live signing last Tuesday. We almost sold out. So I'm signing copies of my book today and tomorrow before I get Carpal Tunnel. That is the end. That is the end. I've signed literally tens of thousands of copies. Okay, my signature has been reduced to a mere scrawl. There will be no left in a few days. So go get your copy of a signed copy of How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps right now, dailywire.com slash Ben. As I've been talking about, the book covers the two fundamentally different visions of America now on the table, the unionist vision and the disintegrationist vision. The unionist vision says we should stay together as a country and we have a lot in common, like the philosophy of the Declaration of Independence and the history of the United States and a culture that actually cares about abiding by the law and inculcating virtue. And then you have the disintegrationists who want to destroy all this stuff. And that's everybody from the 1619 Project to the rioters who are now trying to destroy American cities. Go check out How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. It's not just a description of the situation or a prophecy, although it seems really prophetic right now. It also happens to be a, an antidote to what is happening right now. So buy one for yourself and buy one for somebody who is a liberal, right? Not somebody on the woke left. Buy somebody who, for, for a liberal, because I promise you they'll end up agreeing with most of the book. What we need right now is a little unity against the woke left that is destroying the country one riot at a time. Go get your copy before it sells out right now. Get your signed copy before it sells out right now at dailywire.com slash Ben. Also, this has been an insane year. Remember the time when Donald Trump was impeached by the House? That happened this year, one million years ago. And the leftist media, they just continue to lie. Lie and lie and lie and lie. And we'll get to their coronavirus lies a little bit later on in the program. When you can't get the real story, you have to go outside the narrative driven by the media and get the facts. So if you're a political junkie, Set on getting both sides of the story and all the good information. Get a reader's pass today from dailywire.com. You'll get access to exclusive op-eds from us, your podcast hosts, as well as guest writers, and in-depth analysis from our Daily Wire reporters on top of our regular breaking news. You can go check out articles I've been writing about coronavirus myths and, and the breakdown in civil society today. The membership tier is already a bargain at three bucks a month. If you join today, you get your first month for 99 cents, under a dollar. You also get access to our mobile app, receive push notifications for breaking news and special content, 
as well as joining the community of Daily Wire members who are actively commenting and discussing our content with each other. So that's mobile ad-free access to all the Daily Wire news, exclusive op-eds, all of our podcasts on our mobile app, all for the low price of $1. Best of all, your dollars are getting you the news you need without the left to spin. So head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe and join today. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Well, so why are the Democrats not doing anything about this? Why? Why? All the cities are burning. They are very upset with President Trump. The answer is pretty obvious at this point. And that is, for a lot of Democrats, they're willing to wink and nod at this so long as they think it's a political tool. They believe that a feeling of chaos will drive Trump from office. Trump's the president. Feelings of chaos do not redound to the benefit of the sitting president. And so they're perfectly willing to go along with the chaos. They are rooting for the chaos, as I mentioned last week. Nancy Pelosi, who's very, very bad at nicknames, by the way, she has decided that President Trump is Mr. Make Matters Worse, which, like, don't do the nicknames, Nancy. Here, here she was. Let's just get to the heart of it. At the point of all of this is this president, I have a new name for him, Mr. Make Matters Worse. He has made matters worse from the start. Delay, denial, it's a hoax, it'll go away magically, it's a miracle, and all the rest. And we're in this situation that you spelled out some of the numbers very clearly early. Okay, so they're trying to claim that Trump makes everything worse, right? From the violence in America's major cities to the pandemic, it's all about Trump. Everything's about Trump. Is why you get Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, who, by the way, is taking federal support. We mentioned last week she cut a deal with the feds to bring in more resources. And then she took down a Columbus statue because she's a weakling. So Lori Lightfoot, the terrible mayor of Chicago, who's presided over mass violence in her streets for literally, at this point, years. She says, we can't let anybody play police in our streets. You're right. She won't even let the police play police in her streets. She says the feds can't come in here and, and, and enforce the law. That would be bad. No troops, no agents that are coming in outside of our... Um, knowledge, notification, and control that are violating people's constitutional rights. That's the that's the framework. We can't just allow anyone to come into Chicago, play police in our streets, in our neighborhoods, when they don't know the first thing about our city. That's a recipe for disaster. And that's what you're seeing playing out in Portland on a nightly basis. We don't need that here. That is not well, a value add, and it doesn't help enhance it's our Trump's public fault. safety. It's the feds, right? So it doesn't matter that the violence preceded the feds. It's the feds, right? It's all Trump's fault. The, you know, I, I've talked about the theory of Trump of the gaps. Trump of the gaps is like God of the gaps. So atheists constantly claim wrongly that religious people find God where their science doesn't go. So they'll find an area of science that is not easily explained. They'll say, ah, that's where God lives. Right? And so atheists call this God of the gaps argument. It's not a particular, it's not a good argument by atheists and people who use it on the religious side are not really doing religion correctly. But that is the argument, God of the gaps. For the left, it's Trump of the gaps. Anything bad in America can easily be attributed to Trump. And also, Trump is the big bang of American politics. Nothing existed up until Trump. And until Trump gets involved in an issue, the issue doesn't exist. Now, you see this from the media all the time. So there'll be a major issue that crops up. Trump will comment on it. It'll be like, Trump launches assault on X. Okay, riots have been going on in Seattle. They're going on in Portland. Right, this has been happening. Trump sends in the feds to protect federal property as he is obligated to do under federal law. And it's Trump started it. Time didn't begin with Trump. Trump is not the big bang of American politics. This stuff's been going on for weeks. Jenny Durkin, the awful mayor of Seattle, she says the fabric of America is being shredded, not by the people in her streets who've been taking over city blocks and wrecking her city for months on end at this point. It's being shredded because Trump sent in some federal law enforcement to, you know, enforce the law in a way she will not do. And again, this is in a city where the Seattle police chief is saying we can't even defend against mobs because we've been robbed of that ability by the mayor and the city council. 
I know how important it is for federal law enforcement to work with local law enforcement. As a chief federal law enforcement officer, as U.S. attorney, I know that that's an important relationship. I've never seen anything like this in my career where federal agents are sent in, not even not with the cooperation of local law enforcement, but over their objection. It's unprecedented and it's the wrong way to go. The, the fabric of America is being shredded before our eyes, Chris, and it worries me greatly. The fabric of America is being, not when they have Chaz Chop in the middle of her city and when people are getting shot, but the cops not being there. The fabric of America is shredded by the fact that President Trump is there, right? This is the actual democratic strategy. There's a tacit threat here. Ron Brownstein, who's a columnist for The Atlantic, he has a column over the weekend called Trump is determined to split the country in two. He's trying to rally red America by portraying blue cities as a threat and then positioning himself as the human wall against them. And the basic suggestion here is that if Trump would just leave it alone or go away, like if Trump resigned, everything would be all better. That would fix everything. Joe Scarborough was doing the same routine over the weekend. He was tweeting out, quote, much of what is happening in Seattle, Portland, and other West Coast cities is not peaceful. Trump's dangerous application of federal force has elicited, I-L-L-I-C-I-T-E-D. Okay, that's not how you spell elicited. Elicited would be like, I mean, I could make a joke here about um, particular media figures, but um, he's looking for E-L-I-C, right? Elicited. The response he and Barr were hoping for, right? It's all about Trump. And if he just got rid of Trump, then the violence would go away, right? This is, the, this is the tacit threat. The tacit threat is, unless you get rid of Trump, the violence will not go away. Unless you give us what we want, the violence will not go away. And this has a long history in democratic politics, unfortunately. This has been going on for literally decades. Mayors of local areas basically allowing violence to creep out of control so they could then turn to the law-abiding citizens and say, you know what, we need to raise your taxes and we need to pay off these riders so they leave you alone. This goes all the way back to the 1960s. There's a, a social scientist named Fred Siegel, one of the founders of Manhattan Institute. He wrote a book called The Future Once Happened Here. Fantastic, fantastic book, all about the decline of America's major cities in the 1960s. Prominent politicians he talks about, like Attorney General Nick, Nicholas Katzenbach, warned of riots in 30 or 40 cities if LBJ's favored legislation providing funding to inner city communities was not rammed through Congress. Siegel wrote, as the immediate threat of riots subsided, liberals would argue that more money for the cities was essential, if not to halt riots, then to contain the still rising racial anger, which expressed itself in rising rates of often violent crime. D.C. Mayor Marion Barry embraced this logic, you know, like the, the drug user and abuser who ended up in jail and then became mayor again. He said of the violent activities of the Black Panthers, quote, I think that everything that anybody does is good. I'm serious. For instance, I know for a fact that white people get, get scared of the Black Panthers and they might look at somebody a little bit more moderate and say, well, let's give them a little money. New York Mayor John Lindsay, officially a Republican, but never really a conservative, routinely caved to this kind of pressure. He said welfare expansion would be a necessary precondition to stopping riots. He said, quote, our experience is that, this is one of his aides, our experience is that some good can come of confrontation politics. This hasn't been relegated to race riots, by the way. This has been true throughout kind of democratic policy. After MLK was murdered in 1968, for example, the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees blackmailed the city of Memphis with the threat of riots. The head of the AFSCME called an assistant to then-Vice President Hubert Humphrey and informed him that violence would occur if Memphis didn't capitulate to the union demands. He said, I don't know what buttons to press, but GD, Memphis is going to burn. The White House sent an emissary to Memphis, and Memphis quickly capitulated to the union. And this is the line that is used by the left on a routine basis. It's been going on for years. Back in 2016, there were riots in Milwaukee, and a columnist named German Lopez of Vox wrote, quote, riots are the culmination of a serious distrust in the system and can lead to real substantial change. And now, now, this is... 
it's fascinating because there have been some some studies that you're not allowed to cite that talk about how riots actually drive voters away from the causes rioters back. But in local areas, that's not necessarily true. In local areas, politicians either foster the riots or cave to the riots because they are hopeful that they can convince everybody to pay off the rioters and that everything will go away. Or they hope that the rioters are actually pursuing policies they want. So they'll play a sort of inside-outside game like Ted Wheeler is doing in Portland, where he's like, you know, I kind of agree with the rioters. So if they do this, maybe it'll show everybody that the system's bad, and then I will make some sort of concession, and then everything will go away. Well, the main line media and left concession that they're looking for is for Trump to go away. The day after Joe Biden is elected, this all ends. That's a, Okay, that is my prediction. Within a month after Joe Biden takes office, this all peters out. Why? Because this because all this is is a pressure tactic being applied to law-abiding Americans, which is disgusting. If you are burning cities because you're trying to apply pressure tactics in any democratic polity, then you are, in fact, engaging in a form of political terrorism. And for cities to stand by and cave to that is not only the height of irresponsibility, it's incredibly dangerous, and it makes them complicit in this act. It's horrifying. And that is what you're watching across the country. There is a purpose to the madness. There's a purpose to the madness. People are fostering the chaos because they hope that it will end with policy they like. They are hoping to pressure citizens into capitulating. They are hoping that law-abiding citizens will simply say, okay, no mas, take my money, raise my taxes, get rid of the cops. I'll look inside my own heart, my own white fragility. That's what we've seen in Minneapolis. The cops have disappeared. The crime rates are, are rising. And many white citizens in Minneapolis who feel victimized by the crime, right? There's a whole article about this in the New York Times, are saying, well, you know, I guess maybe we kind of deserve it and maybe we should do all the things that people want us to do. None of this is going to alleviate any of the, any of the underlying problems, of course. Right? The fact is that you can tear down the systems and the great lie is that when you tear down the systems, everything gets better for everybody. That's a bunch of crap. You turn down the system of law enforcement, the people who pay the most by every available stat are poor minorities. Okay, those are the people who paid the most in New York. They're paying the most in Chicago. They're paying the most in LA. They're paying the most everywhere. Those are the people who feel the brunt. But for the white woke left, particularly, and now they're using BLM as, as sort of an excuse, tearing down the system has always been the goal. So here's the question. Are liberals going to cave to the white woke left? Are they going to cave to the causes of BLM, which is not white, obviously? Are they going to cave to the woke left generally? And are they going to use the woke left as a baton to club other good little liberals into line? Or will there be enough liberals to stand up and take hands with conservatives they disagree with and say, no, you know what? In a fundamentally Republican, small r, Republican or Democratic, small d, a, a fundamentally free country ruled by the people through their ballot box, this cannot be allowed to stand. This should be a point of unity. No American should stand for rioting, looting. No American should stand for laser pointers being pointed at federal law enforcement agents who are protecting federal courthouses. No one should be standing for this. But instead, you have disgusting Ridiculous people like Jerry Nadler saying that Antifa's a myth. What's happening in Portland's a myth. Poof, it doesn't exist. Here was Jerry Nadler being asked about violence in Portland by, uh, by Fleckus and saying it doesn't exist. It's all a figment of your imagination. You disavow the violence from Antifa? That's happening in Portland right now? That's, that, that's, that, that's a myth that's being spread only in Washington, D.C. About Antifa in Portland? Yes. It Sir, there's, there's videos everywhere online. There's fires and riots. There's th they're throwing... Fireworks at uh, federal officers. DHS is there. Look online. It gets crazy, Mr. Nadler. Unbelievable. I mean, uh, unbelievable. The, 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 you can see the footage everywhere, but this is why you can't trust the media because only now are the media starting to report on the violence. And even when they do, it's through the prism of 
what if Trump would just go away and remove the feds, then everything would be all better. Which, by the way, is the same exact line as if you remove all cops, crime goes down. If you remove all cops, the racial situation in America is alleviated and racial inequality is, is somehow vitiated. And the same line with the same predictably stupid and horrible effects. The fact that there are so many liberals who are willing to go along with this shows that they're not actually liberals. They actually are on the left. At a certain point, compliance with the left becomes membership in it. When I have made the distinction on this show consistently for years between the left and liberals, I've said liberals are people who agree with me on fundamental American rights. They just disagree on the role of government in preserving those rights. The left disagrees on a fundamental level with American rights. This is what I talk about in How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. Once liberals start caving to the left and make common cause with people who want to destroy those rights and are out rioting and looting in the streets, and blaming law enforcement for trying to stop all of that, they're no longer liberals. They've now converted over to the left and they should be treated as such. Meaning they should not be treated with this sort of open-minded tolerance of, for, for open discussion that the right treats liberals with. Doesn't mean they don't have a right to speak freely. Everybody has a right to speak freely. But let's stop pretending that this is inside the Overton window. Once you're firing fireworks at police officers, you're not inside the Overton window anymore. And once you are greenlighting that and blaming the officers and blaming federal law enforcement, for defending courthouses, you ain't inside the Overton window. You're not. There's no rational discussion that can be had with people who are literally promoting riots and looting. That cannot be, that, that's not a discussion that ought, to be, that ought to be engaged in. Everybody's got a right to speak. Everybody's got a right to burn the flag if they want to. That does not mean that, that the conversation is worthwhile or useful. The Overton window needs to be, needs to be maintained by liberals and conservatives. And it needs to be a lot broader than it has been with the direction toward mainstream conservatism and a lot less broad to include people who are doing acts of actual violence. Okay, meanwhile, speaking of the Overton window broadening in weird directions, got to talk for just a couple of minutes about this insane promo that was put up by Netflix. So it's always good to know that the companies that you spend your money on are using that money in order to promote insane social leftist policies. So Netflix is now pushing open trans propaganda. I mean, absolute propaganda, not just the, the sort of normal stuff that you see in, in, on mainstream television channels, with the assumption that men can become women and women can become men. But now they are lecturing medical professionals. The medical professionals are supposed to treat biological boys as biological girls. So yesterday, Netflix put out a tweet. The tweet was, I guess this is from a show. I, I, it's called, uh, here's, what they, here's what they tweeted out. I guess there was some sort of documentary that they did on a transgender young person named Bailey, who's a biological boy that they are treating as a, as a girl. When Bailey comes down with a fever, Marianne rushes her to the hospital, where two doctors misgender her. Marianne firmly corrects them. Misgendering is traumatic. This is one of the baseline ways cisgender people can show up for trans people in their life. And here is the insane clip from this Netflix documentary. I know that you guys are busy, but as you would see, if you looked at her and not her chart, Bailey is not a boy. And by treating her like one, you are completely ignoring who she is. You're making her feel insignificant and humiliated. And that's not going to help her feel good or safe or calm. So from here on out, please recognize her for who she is. And if at all possible, could you find me a non-blue hospital gown? I apologize. Okay, this is insane. Okay, it's from the Babysitter's Club. This is a show for kids, right? Isn't this, this is from Babysitter's Club, correct? Yep, this is, this is from Babysitter's Club. A show directed at 10, 11, 12-year-old girls. You have, you have some young girl lecturing a doctor on how to, on, on misgendering people. Okay, well, here's the thing. They better hope, uh, Bailey was in the hospital for a fever here. They better damn well hope that, baby ain't in the, uh, that, that Bailey ain't in the hospital for testicular torsion. 
They better hope, baby, because Bailey's in the hospital for testicular torsion and the doctors are supposed to treat Bailey as a girl. It's going to be kind of awkward. This is so stupid. By the way, we've had cases in the United States where people have literally died because of this kind of nonsense. There was a case, I believe, was in Michigan where a transgender male came into the hospital, put on the forms, I am a male, reported abdominal pain. And it turns out that the abdominal pain was because the transgender male was actually a female, a biological female, and was pregnant. It was very overweight. And because this person had written male on their forms, the doctors, before examining this person, didn't treat it as a medical emergency for the baby. And the baby died. Okay, because of this sort of nonsense. Doctors are not in the business of your feelings. Doesn't mean bedside manner. Doctors are not in the business of treating your feelings as medically, as medically relevant to diagnosis of fever. Okay, that, that is not the way that doctors operate. This is nuts. And they're, they're putting and they're stacking this into shows for kids, into shows for small children. And this is a show for, for 9, 10, 11 year old people. And you're being told that, that little boys can become little girls and that if a doctor comes in and treats the boy as a boy, the doctor has done something wrong. Boys and girls have different biology, gang. I'm sorry to inform you that biology matters. But biology damn well matters. It matters in definition of sex. It matters in definition of gender. And guess what? It matters the most in medical contexts. This is nuts. Think of Bailey a vaginal exam. I mean, Bailey is a boy. This is it. You, this is total. It's totally crazy, obviously. But this is where conservatives need to understand. The culture is being lost on this level. And conservatives like to fight back on the governmental. The culture is being lost on this level. Because conservatives refuse to fight back on the cultural level. It, it makes for awkward conversations. It means that people are afraid to speak out publicly. But guess what? If everybody doesn't speak out publicly and do so loudly and at once, then people will be cowed into silence one by one. When it comes to maintaining truth, either we all hang together or we hang separately. Because that's the way this is going to work. The left has basically dictated that everybody has to acquiesce to this nonsense. And if you don't, if you say anything about it, then you are, you, you, you're a cruel, nasty human being. It seems crueler and nastier to treat a kid in this show, let's say, if this were reality, you're talking about how old is this kid? Maybe eight? I mean, there's a little, there's a little kid, maybe seven, eight years old. You're treating this kid as, as fully functional in terms of making decisions about gender that will affect him for his entire life. And you are, and, and you're preaching that to children to confuse kids about their own gender. I mean, it's just, it's absolute nonsense. It's absolute sheer nonsense. How far Hollywood has fallen. So I, I wish to pay a quick tribute here to Hollywood before it fell. It is amazing how the talent level in Hollywood has declined so dramatically. I mean, truly dramatically. I was watching some Fred Astaire with my kids yesterday. It used to be that people in Hollywood actually knew how to do things. Like they actually had skill sets. I'm not saying people in Hollywood can't act. A lot of people can. But it used to be that they would be able to sing. They'd be able to dance. Like I was watching a, a tap routine with uh, Fred Astaire and Rita Hayworth. It's just unbelievable. I mean, Rita Hayworth is really well known as an actress. She's a terrific, terrific dancer. But, you know, the, the old actors and actresses were iconic for a reason. Uh, Olivia de Havilland passed away yesterday. How iconic was Olivia de Havilland? She, she died at the age of 104, so long, full life. How iconic was she? In back-to-back -back years, she played Maid Marian in The Adventures of Robin Hood, probably maybe the greatest adventure film ever made. And then she played, and then she played Melanie, Melanie Hamilton Wilkes in Gone with the Wind the following year. Here are a couple of clips of Olivia de Havilland. Are you not ashamed, my Lady Marian? Yes, I am, bitterly. But it's a shame that I'm a Norman after seeing the things my fellow countrymen have done to England. At first, I wouldn't believe. 
Because I was a Norman, I wouldn't let myself believe that the horrors you inflicted on the Saxons weren't just and right. I know now why you tried so hard to kill this outlaw whom you despised. It's because he was the one man in England who protected the helpless against a lot of beasts who were drunk on human blood. She's a terrific actress. She, she was nominated for a couple of different Oscars. Uh, she, she actually had five Academy Award nominations, and she won in 46 and in 49. Really a terrific actress. And if you see her play back-to-back years, in one, she's playing this very glamorous Maid Mary. In the other, she's playing uh, what's supposed to be a very pallid part. And she's a very beautiful woman. She plays it beautifully in, in Gone with the Wind, a movie you're no longer allowed to watch. That's exciting stuff. All right. Well, we'll be back here later today with two additional hours of content, a lot more to get to. The world of sports we'll get to. We'll also be getting to the insanity of Joe Biden continuing to avoid interviews. So a lot more to get to. Stick around for two additional hours of content a little bit later on. Otherwise, show up here tomorrow. In the meantime, pick up a copy of my book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. You can still get a signed copy for like the next 24 hours at dailywire.com slash Ben. Otherwise, we'll see you later. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Knowles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, assistant director Pavel Wydowski, technical producer Austin Stevens, playback and media operated by Nick Sheehan, associate producer Katie Swinnerton, edited by Adam Saievitz, Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. In John Milton's famous poem, Paradise Lost, Satan declared that he could make a heaven of hell and a hell of heaven, but instead he turned everything he touched into a living hell. Then he was elected mayor of Portland. We'll talk about it on The Andrew Claven Show. I'm Andrew Claven. 'll we'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure talk believes in American values and that free should mean you know like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.